Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, where I welcome Jace, Emily, 
and Dedeker, and they are the creators of the Multi-Amory podcast, which they launched way back in 2014 to raise awareness, provide approachable resources, and combat the stigma faced by people in non-traditional relationships. And today they have hundreds of episodes, millions of downloads around the world, and a rapidly growing community where they are dedicated to offering practical advice and communication tools grounded in the latest relationship research, guest experts, and years of professional experience. And they just had a book that came out and we'll have the link in the show notes to that. And today we dive in and talk about couple different frameworks. One framework to process and repair after an argument that I know you guys are really going to love. It's super valuable and a relationship check-in framework. And I just love super actionable tips that I can take home and apply right away. And you are going to get exactly that with today's conversation. And we also talk about what it's like to be in the world of relationship advice. You know, they have this podcast and a community and what it's like applying that information to their own relationships. So I really enjoyed today's conversation. I know you guys will too. As always, thank you so much for tuning in. Enjoy today's show. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Hi, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. We got the whole crew of <laughs> uh, the Multi Amory podcast here with me and I'm excited to talk to you guys. Jace was on the show like three or four years ago. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. And uh, it's great to have Emily and Dedeker on the show now today. And we're going to talk about a few different things and kind of just see where the conversation goes. As our listeners know, you guys are in the space of podcasting and now have a book on relationships and all forms of that. I've longtime listener of you guys and uh, I'm looking forward to this conversation. I thought maybe we could start by having you share why you guys like to, to work in this space. You've been operating the podcast for what, nine years now? Yeah, and, nine. Uh, yeah. Next year will be 10 years. Amazingly. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and then uh, we'll dive into some specific topics. So whoever wants to start and then we'll go from there. Yeah. Why podcast at all? That <laughs> is question. the question. To podcast, to not podcast. <laughs> uh, I, I will say I love the fact that we've been podcasting for so long. It does feel like about 200 years and it's been amazing to watch the landscape of podcasts changing and evolving, you know, and we've been in particular producing content for 
you know, a lot of the non-monogamous community, polyamorous community, or the the you know people that I lovingly call all us relationship weirdos. That community, seeing that community shift and change over time, like that's been really amazing. And I think at the core of it, podcasting is this surprisingly intimate medium. There's something about the way that podcast listeners interact with their favorite podcast that's different from the way we interact with a TV show or with a YouTube channel that we follow or with a TikTok channel that we follow. I don't know. There's just something really close and and really personal about it. And so that's also been one of the amazing things is like our audience and our listener base are just like really amazing, fantastic people, right? Like it's really fantastic to be in dialogue with them. It's really interesting to see people in our Patreon community sharing the things that they are facing in their relationships. You know, of course, that gives us great ideas for what to cover on the podcast. And then also seeing our audience take the tools that we've developed or the concepts that we've developed on the show and then make them their own. You know, take them and make their own refrigerator printouts or adjust them in a particular way for their unique relationship situation. So it's kind of like planting the seeds and then seeing them grow and get cultivated in this way by a community much bigger than the three of us has just been beautiful. I love that. And through those conversations, through the work that you guys have done, you've written a book and developed a lot of different methods for navigating relationships better. And I thought we could start by talking about the framework you guys have developed in the repair shop framework for repairing after an argument. This is a big part of having a successful relationship. It's not not arguing, it's repairing. (laughs) So let's dive into that. Yeah, sure. So I guess just to give a little bit of context about the book, uh, where, you know, we've written about this in the book. We also have, um, an episode of the podcast about it. And basically the gist is that over the nine years, like you mentioned, we've made a lot of these tools. And of those, some have really resonated with people and people have really said, Oh my gosh, these, these are the ones that have changed my relationship for the better. These are the ones I use all the time. And so what made it into the book were the six most loved and most commonly referenced tools that we've created over the last nine years. And so repair shop is one of those. And. One of the things that unites a lot of our tools is that we love making up acronyms. So in this case, (laughs) SHOP is actually an acronym for the four steps to do in that repair process. Um, This is based off of some research, mostly out of the Gottman Institute, as well as some other places, but basically looking at what the research shows about how to actually repair effectively to not just be like, oh yeah, we've kind of patched it over, but you've actually done what you can to learn from it and improve your relationship through that conflict, you know, through resolving it afterward, rather than just trying to, you know, kind of paint over it, right? And the the research that the Gottman Institute has done is great, uh, but there's a few limitations it has. One, it's like kind of confusing and not easy to follow. Two, it they only really focus on monogamous heterosexual couples. They're getting a little bit better on the heterosexual part, but they're still kind of a bit behind in that research. That said, people are people, right? So we can use this research. And so part of what we've done is taken that and built our framework for how you can resolve a conflict and grow from it 
that's not excluding anybody, right? That feels more accessible to anyone, no matter what type of relationship you're in, even if that's a platonic relationship, even if this is just a best friend or a co-parent or a business partner. You know, as long as there's someone who's willing to get vulnerable and be intentional about the relationship. Should I jump into the the four steps? Do we just yes, want to please. get into it? Get, yeah, go nuts, get into the shop. <laughs> sure, sure. So as I mentioned, shop is an acronym. It stands for stories, history, ownership, and prevention. And in the book, obviously, we go into a lot more detail about each of these and provide a lot of troubleshooting steps and things like that, which I think is especially important for this one because it's a challenging thing to do. Uh, but basically, to start off, the S is for stories, and that's where after things have calmed down, maybe this is the next day, maybe it's a few days later, after things have calmed down, we get together and say, okay, we want to figure out what happened here. How can we stop this from happening? And the first part of that is just sharing each of your stories of what happened. And that is, I think this is actually the most challenging of the four steps. It's great once you get good at it. It's, it's super effective, but it's hard to learn at first because we're often used to assuming that the way we perceived things to happen to be reality. And the truth of the matter is that none of us human beings have the luxury of experiencing objective reality. Right, we we are limited by what our senses perceive, what's going on in our brains and our bodies at the time, all of the context of our lives, all of that. Right, that all of us get a unique view of literally everything in the world. But especially when it comes to conflict, we can come at it thinking two very different things happened in each of our realities. So that first step is sharing that, and that involves one person at a time sharing their experience of what happened. And this is where the skill part comes in that we talk a lot about in the book, is how to share that in a way that's not saying, well, I came home and you were obviously in a bad mood and gave me a dirty look and huffed at me when I tried to say hello, and so I got mad because you were being a jerk and so I left. Right? Like That obviously is not a very kind way to tell that story, and it's also projecting a lot of stuff onto the other person. So the idea is to hone this skill of sharing what happened in as objective a way as possible, and then as the person receiving it, to be aware that you might still want to argue against it, but that's not the point here. The point is to just understand that was your experience of it, and then to get to share this was my experience of it. So the example of that same story would be, I came home and you were in the kitchen and you had your back turned to me and you didn't turn around when I walked in, which made me feel like maybe you were upset. And then I said hi to you and I heard you sigh and that it seemed like you were just didn't want to talk to me and I was upset so I left because I needed some air. You know, it's like you're still putting a little bit of how you experienced it. You're not trying to just say, "Oh, I have objective reality. This is the facts of what happened." You're still expressing how you how you felt about it, but trying to do it in a way where you're not putting a lot of like intention on the other person. And then as that other person accepting that and and hearing it and realizing that the value comes in understanding how they experienced it, not telling them that what they experienced was wrong. 
yeah, it's such a valuable tool in relationship, but I've found individually just for myself to frame something of like, I'm feeling these strong emotions, but this is the story I'm telling myself, not this is objective reality. It's like, mm. I'm mad, I'm jealous, X, Y, Z, and it's easy to get consumed by those emotions where just individually, if I can step back and go, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself about what's going on here? And then questioning that, you know, it's yeah. like obviously owning it and, and saying it's okay to feel those things, but then going like, is that really what's happening? Uh, it's such a valuable tool to do individually. And then certainly bringing that to your partner. So, so I love that. Absolutely. And I think that feeds really well into the next step of Repair Shop, which is history, because so many of us really don't think about why it is that we feel something, why we continually get triggered by something that our partner says or that happens to us, you know, on a daily basis. And it really causes you to sit back and think, like, what is it in my past that happened to me that maybe causes me to go to this place of outrage or anger or hurt when my partner says that specific thing. Maybe, you know, uh, I I know one for myself, like my father was really patronizing about the fact that I wanted to go into acting as a career and wanted to do that as a major. And so just like that one little interaction, if anything like that happens in my partnership where I feel patronized, I may have a really visceral reaction to that. So I love the history step because it makes you sit with your partner and go back to those moments and relate to them what it is that you're feeling in real time and say like, hey, I am hurt by this thing because this occurred in my past and it reminds me of that when you do X or maybe that's what I'm hearing. That's maybe not your intentionality behind it. But I get triggered by this thing because I hear my father saying, you know, you shouldn't be doing this career choice or something along those lines. So I love the history stuff. And I think that it's it's so valuable for your partner to understand where it is that you're coming from in these moments and give and allow each other some grace when you realize, hey, like this is really harmful to my partner. Maybe I can try to say it in a different way or just not be so upset that they got pissed about this thing and wonder why the hell did that happen? That wasn't what I meant at all. Yeah, like moving the focus away from, again, whether something is objectively right or wrong. It's like, oh, my partner got upset about that, but it's not wrong that I said that, so they should just deal. And instead it's like, okay, I'm understanding why, so that I can try to be a better partner, a more caring partner. And I think that piece is often missing from traditional ways of looking at dealing with arguments. 100%. And the history step, because I'm sure you've run across this, Chase, that when couples argue 90% of the time, it's not about what's on the surface, right? Like, you know, when I've yelled at my partner about whether or not to put the blinds up or down and it's turned into a fight, we're probably not just fighting about whether the blinds are up or down (laughs) because if it truly was, it wouldn't last 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour, days, whatever it is, right? So to move along with the framework, moving into the ownership stage, the O, now this is a really key step in repairing after conflict. And it's having both sides find just one piece of responsibility 
for the communication going haywire. And this is really hard because depending on our upbringing, our conditioning, we can feel like, oh, but this wasn't my fault, so I can't take responsibility for any of it. Or if I apologize, that means that I was wrong. Or I have to say, yes, like I was the one who did everything bad and you did everything right. And that's not the case. It really is just can I identify one tiny piece that I can take ownership of. Maybe it's as tiny as uh, I really should have taken a, a break and calmed down first before talking to you about this. Or yes, I probably shouldn't have brought this up at 11 o'clock at night when we're in bed trying to go to sleep, right? And that's different from, oh, it was all my fault, right? You know, And so both sides being able to take at least a little bit of ownership in how things went awry. And then that sets us up nicely for the final stage, the prevention stage, which is can we strategize and brainstorm about how do we help avoid this the next time around? And again, next time around is key because there's going to be a next time around. We're going to step on our, each other's toes again. Maybe we won't brush up against this particular topic. Maybe the topic is resolved, but we're probably going to miscommunicate, hurt each other's feelings accidentally. And so what are the things that we can take away from this experience so that next time around it goes a little bit better? Is it okay, I, I am just going to resolve that if it's 11 o'clock at night and we're in bed, I'm going to save it to the next day to ask you questions about our weekend plans or whatever it is, right? Or I'm going to make sure that I've had a snack um, and I'm not like hangry when we're about to have conversations about this project or things like that, right? So this framework, you know, the shop framework, I will be the first to admit it's not easy necessarily like it's not super easy especially if you're tired if you're activated if you feel like you just want to not be in conflict and not be revisiting it you just want to be close to your partner but it is kind of like this is how you alchemize and integrate those conflicts into creating a better relationship it's not just about getting through the conflict it really is about finding a way to incorporate the knowledge and newfound understanding from that conflict into your relationship. Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. When you work full-time, have kids, and run a podcast, it's hard to make time for a multiple-step skincare protocol. That's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, OneSkin. Their products make it easy to keep your skin healthy while looking and feeling your best. Let me repeat it. They make it easy... No complicated routine, just simple, scientifically validated solutions. If you're looking for skincare products that are simple and effective, for a limited time, you'll get an exclusive 15% off your first OneSkin purchase when using the code IDO when you check out at oneskin.co. I've been using OneSkin's body lotion for about a month and I've already seen noticeable improvements with small wrinkles and textures on my skin, specifically on the back of my neck and the back of my hands, two places where I get a lot of sun. Plus, my skin looks and feels healthier all around. It's all thanks to OneSkin's revolutionary OS-01 peptide, the first ingredient proven to deactivate aging cells responsible for lines, wrinkles, and thinning skin. Unlike traditional skincare products that only mask symptoms, OneSkin pioneered a new approach integrating tissue engineering and cutting-edge science to enhance skin biology for lasting resilience against aging. 
OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using the code IDO at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code IDO. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support your show and tell them we sent you. Do you want to know one of my favorite meals? It's a slice of toasted bread with tomato, mozzarella, basil, olive oil, salt and pepper, and a little drizzle of balsamic glaze. Makes my heart happy. It's so simple. It's so delicious. And I love that all the ingredients get to show off their individual flavors. I used to eat it all the time as my easy go-to meal. And then all of a sudden, there was a ton of messaging out there telling me that I shouldn't eat carbs and that I shouldn't eat bread and that bread is bad. And I hate to admit it, but I cut out bread entirely for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently that I started to understand that not all bread is created equal. Hero Bread makes those same delicious favorites free of consequences or compromises. They've remade carby, empty calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus protein and fiber. I highly recommend that you give their bread a try. They're giving relationship advice listeners 10% off when you visit Hero dot co and use the code I do at checkout. I was so excited to discover Hero Bread. It's truly amazing. And they've made a product that is tasty and soft while having zero to one grams of net carbs, zero grams of sugar and high in fiber. I'm not going to lie. Their white bread is so good and it makes the best tomato and mozzarella sandwich. Last week, Stella and I were back in Florida visiting our family and we all walked to the lake and the only bread we had in the house was Hero Bread. So we grabbed a slice, walked to the lake, and by the time we got there, Stella had eaten the whole piece of bread and of course, wanted more. So the poor ducks didn't get any Hero Bread, but Stella did. Since I had cut out bread for a while, every time I ate low quality bread, my body felt bad. It felt bloated and I didn't feel great. But with Hero Bread, I feel good after eating it, which makes my life so much easier because now I can go back to my easy grab and go sandwiches when I'm on the run. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code I do at checkout. That's I do at H-E-R-O dot C-O. With the ownership step, I was thinking about how that's also during that step, you could be apologizing, you know, taking ownership, mm -hmm. apologizing. And I don't know if you guys have talked about this or heard the, the apology styles as far yeah, as apology like, languages, of course. Yeah. Apology languages, exactly. Mm -hmm. And it made me think of just how important that is definitely to apologize, but to understand how your partner and how you individually likes to have an apology because we've all been there. Maybe our partner says, I'm sorry, but it doesn't feel like they meant it or you're apologizing to your partner and it just is not enough for them. Maybe you guys can can speak to it. I don't remember the specific styles, but I just remember we actually had a whole episode on it, but how important that is to understand. Do any of you guys know the different styles? 
It's funny because we have the same story. We did an episode on it years ago. I don't think any of us remember exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure taking ownership is one though. Like right. for the thing that you did yeah, what, and, like and relaying remorse, that to your partner, expecting, yeah, expressing remorse, remorse and regret. There's mm-hmm. yeah, taking ownership. There's acknowledging impact. There's, um, I forget the way they phrase it, but something about talking about how you're going to rectify it or change it in the yeah. future. And there's probably a fifth one that none That's of us That's pretty good already- though, Dedeker. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this this episode that we did actually was episode 280, multi Emory 280. So forever ago, back in 2020. Uh, and I remember that it was kind of a cool one because instead of just covering the five apology languages, which you know Gary Chapman wrote the five love languages and that just blew up and people really you know latched onto that and it's awesome. I think you know he got he got really lucky with that tool. I think his apology languages he didn't get as lucky of like really nailing something great. So in that episode, we kind of looked at a few other ways of breaking down apology styles, and even talked to a a, a, a woman who studies apologies specifically. She's a professor who studies apologies <laughs> exactly, and so getting to kind of see some of those things was really interesting but that kind of stuff is is super useful in this kind of situation of understanding when you are going to own up to something how can you apologize in a way that is genuine but also lands well with your partner yeah i do think you're on to something chase and jace like i was literally just having a conversation about this with the clients of mine where yeah, she was expressing how something felt still kind of unresolved with her partner. And she was asking, like, do you think it's okay to ask for an apology from my partner? And so we were kind of weighing up the pros and cons of that. And I I do think just kind of swooping in and demanding you need to apologize for X, Y, and Z is not going to be received well. But I do think if you do the work on your own of figuring out what's actually missing here... Is it like you said, Chase, like they've apologized, but they haven't said anything about how they're going to make it better? Or they've apologized, but I don't feel like they actually understand what the impact was on me. Or they've apologized, but it felt just surface level and not like they actually felt any remorse. Like I do think if you can do some of that work to figure out what am I actually longing for from my partner, that can help you to come in, I think, with a more gentle and compassionate request as opposed to just telling your partner you need to apologize right now. That's why I love the the work that you guys do, the work that I'm able to absorb through these conversations because we're not taught this information. Certainly we're not taught that there's different ways to apologize and to receive an apology. And I could see before I knew this information of being like my partner or my friend apologized, but it doesn't feel good enough. Like, and then I would kind of be hard on myself of like, look, they apologize, get over it. And it's like, we're we're more dynamic than that. And it's not to say we need to nitpick our partner. And there's also some ability in us to have grace and be like, they tried to apologize and not to be hard on them. But that's the dance is to understand ourselves better, to understand how we like to receive an apology, and then to communicate that with our partner. And then they do the same. And now we're relating better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. It's definitely not something that we're really taught as kids either, right? As kids, we're kind of taught, I, I see this happen a lot, right? We're taught to apologize. If like, oh, you did something bad. It's like, okay, say you're sorry to Uncle Jace or, you know, whoever it is. And then it's kind of like they go through the motions and it's like, well, that's good enough. That's the best I can hope for. Okay, great. You're done. And it's just, 
none of that's, I mean, I guess it's good that it's teaching us apologies are a thing that are hard to say and that are valuable, but it's not really teaching us how to do it. So there's kind of like a next phase of learning that we need as we get older that we don't get. Exactly. And that's that's kind of what we're doing here. We're having these conversations. That's what you guys are doing. And I think that's why we're all here. We, we love this kind of work individually and to be able to share it. So yeah, we'll, we'll link to those uh, apology episodes for, <laughs> nice. for anyone. So I, I have a question for you, Chase, yes. because you are also in the a similar position that we are in of having thought about, talked about, read about relationships and relationship research for literally years now. What do you feel like is one of the biggest, most impactful takeaways in your experience of doing relationship podcasting? It's funny you brought this uh, personal level up because I wanted to talk to you guys about that because it is <laughs> interesting. I'm not, as our listeners will know, you know, I'm not as deep into the space uh, as, you know, I'm not writing books and, and I'm not giving the advice, but I do love it. And, and I'm getting this information and uh, there's so much, um, but I would say really just, it's nothing specific. It's more like this general idea of having some love and understanding and grace towards myself and the person I'm relating to because it is complicated. And it's like, it's almost the more you learn. And this is kind of what I wanted to ask you guys. And because what I found is I've learned a lot over the last eight years of being in this space. And in a lot of ways, it's made relating easier for me. But in some ways, it's almost made it, I want to say harder, but more complicated in, a, in the sense of like, I have more tools and sometimes I'm, I'm trying to use them too much. <laughs> and, and what I found is, especially, you know, in my last relationship, not, not in my marriage with Sarah, but, but uh, I had like a, a year long relationship and I was too focused on the relationship in the sense of like trying to use the tools and let's talk about things and dive into our feelings. And why do I feel this way? Why do you feel this way? And it was very innocent and it feels good to do that. And I've, I've shared this with our listeners because obviously the people that are here want to improve their relationships. But I think there is a line, and maybe you guys could speak to this, of focusing too much on it, that you're diving in and, and trying to do it. And I'm also tend to have perfectionist tendencies and that doesn't help. So yeah, the, the overall thing is definitely taking the information, being introspective, using the tools. But I would say not trying so hard has been one of the insights of like to let it breathe, let the relationship breathe. If there is an argument, maybe you don't need to dissect it right then. Give it some time. Mm. So yeah. Yeah, that's really fascinating that you say that. And you're speaking to three perfectionists as well. So we totally <laughs> understand you from that standpoint. I think that's fascinating. That I think in so many relationships, we're taught that that has to be your main focus, period. And that's the most important thing in your life. And so you really need to devote the majority of your time and energy to it. And while I think that's okay, in a lot of ways, it is super important to be an autonomous human being as well that has your own interests and has things that you do outside of the relationship. And I think in those moments when you feel like I have to throw the literal book or or the podcast or all of the things that I have learned over the years at the relationship, 
while that can be well and good, it's important to take the things that really work well for you and customize those things and sort of leave the rest if they're not working well. And yeah, that is fascinating to to sort of let things breathe. And I appreciate the fact that over the time that I've done this show, I've allowed, I've I've had like more understanding for my partner is just going to fuck up sometimes and I'm just going to fuck up sometimes and that's okay. And I don't need to necessarily take everything so personally. And if there is a snag that seems like it's really, we're not moving past it, then that's something to really address. But those day-to-day instances of anger or sort of hurt or upset, like those are the things that I can sort of move past a little bit more easily now because I have internal tools that I can handle those things better than I used to, where I I really did used to take things very personally and get pissed a lot more, I think, than I do now. Hmm. I had a client who came up with the, like her partner, they sort of came up with this shorthand, what we in the book would call a microscript, just to tease that, yeah. of if she felt like her partner was kind of doing a little bit of that intensive, obsessive behavior around the relationship or really wanting to dive right away into processing something or asking all these very like therapist-y questions or things like that, that her partner would just say, don't overwater the plants. Like the plant, the plant's fine. Don't overwater it, which I think is really interesting. I want to write an episode about that, but I, I, feel like I need to do some more research and some more chewing and reflecting on how do we tell that line? Like, how do we find the difference between being attentive and caretaking versus overwatering and being obsessive and maybe too heavy-handed with our, uh, you know, maintenance of the relationship? Before we continue on, we're going to take a short break to tell you about our sponsors. Hey, Love Tribe. I just want to ask you a few questions. I want to know why you guys are here. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner? Do you want to feel truly heard? Are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? And let's not forget about the fun. Do you long for those fun, giggly moments at the beginning of your relationship? Over the last decade of hosting this podcast with Chase, these have been our top questions. And we get it. We've been there. And that's why we created Spark My Relationship course, because we wanted to put the tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. So we're offering this course, Spark My Relationship, for only $100 until April 6th. In less than 90 days, this self-paced course will help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner all while having fun doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 psychologists and therapists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. This offer is only going to last until Saturday, April 6th. So head on over to our website, sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 at checkout to get the course for only $100. That's nearly 60% off and it won't last. The sale ends April 6th. That's sparkmyrelationship.com and use the code FLASH24 to get our course for only $100. 
Hey, Love Tribe. I have just a few questions for you. I want to know why you are here listening to the podcast. Are you here because you want to stop bickering with your partner and you want to feel truly heard? Or are you looking for ways to reignite your sex life? Or do you want to feel more emotionally connected with your partner? Or do you just long for those fun, giggly moments of connection that you used to have at the beginning of your relationship? Well, over the last decade of hosting this podcast, those were the main reasons people tuned into the show. And we get it. We've been there. So we created our course, Spark My Relationship, because we wanted to put those tools to unlocking a fulfilling relationship right in your hands. We're offering $100 off our course, Spark My Relationship, which is a self-paced course designed to help you create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner and have an amazing time doing it. We've collaborated with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you the strategies that marriage therapists teach their clients. So to unlock this special offer of our course, our listeners can visit sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock to get $100 off. That's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. It's it's interesting, right? We're all speaking from, it seems like, similar personalities. You said the perfectionist and an interest in relationships. So I do think it's important to address it and, and to have an episode on it. And I also bring it up because the people tuning in to a relationship advice episode are self-aware enough or inquisitive enough to want to improve their relationship. And that's beautiful. And we do need the tools and we need the research. But I think we also need to remind ourselves to let the relationship breathe, as as you guys are saying, don't overwater the plants. So I, I think it's an important reminder. It's almost antithetical to like, hey, you're tuning into the Relationship Advice podcast. And <laughs> just leave, leave things alone. But a lot of times that is, I don't want to say the blanket answer, but it could be the the solution a lot of times, certainly going back to arguments. It's like giving time after if it's an intense argument, maybe you need to just apologize right away. But then, hey, look, I want to process this. I want to talk to you about it. But let's maybe check in tomorrow after work or whatever it is. But letting things breathe a little. Yeah. Yeah. And that's actually a great segue to talk a little bit about radar, which is the the sixth tool that actually when we were planning this book, it was almost a book just about radar. Um, Because that's been such a significant part of our lives as well as tons of our listeners for years. And basically to give kind of the short version of it is it's a structure for having a monthly relationship check-in with your partner. And again, could be used in any kind of relationship. This also could be a check-in with a family member or a coworker. We have met people who say, oh, we use this in our business now. Uh, so it can be used for a lot of different things. But the idea is that you have this regular structure that you go through and that you do it regularly. We say every month as a general guideline, it could be more often if you've got a lot going on that you're trying to figure out in your relationship. It could be a little less often, although it helps to have it more often if possible, right? To have it at least monthly, maybe every other month. And part of that is exactly what you're talking about, is it gives you 
this time and space that's set aside for talking about some of these kind of bigger picture things or stuff that's ongoing of like, okay, we keep running into this issue or, hey, you know, this thing happened and it felt, you know, I felt worried about our relationship during this. What can we do about that? Or also that, hey, we want to plan our trip to Jamaica for next year. We keep putting it off. Great. We have some time set aside. Let's start making a plan, right? So it's for the great, exciting stuff and also for dealing with some of those challenging things. But to me, I think a big part of the value of it is just knowing that you have that time set aside in advance. So a good example of this from my own life, this was years ago, Dedeker and I got in some kind of argument about something, or she did something that upset me. I cannot even tell you what it was, but I was very upset about it. <laughs> and I knew that we had a radar coming up in a week or two. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to talk about it there, but I'm going to make some notes, right? So I, I wrote down several pages of notes to myself about how angry I was and all this stuff I was pissed off about and how upset I was. And then, but I was like, okay, I don't have to try to find a time to talk to her about it because I know I've got that already on the calendar. And then in another week or two weeks, when it came time for that, I was like, oh, right, there was something I was upset about. Let me go check my notes. Oh, gosh. Uh, Okay, it's not as big as all that. I can actually express this a lot more clearly and in a way that we very quickly resolved it, clearly enough that I don't remember what it was, right? This this kind of went away. It was something that we resolved. And it's just a really good example of how having that in place takes away a lot of that pressure to be like, no, 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 we can't stop talking about it. We have to resolve this now because if we don't, it'll never get fixed. Or, okay, we need to talk. Write that text. And then it's like, oh God, now your partner's dreading that talk all day, not knowing what it's about. Or it's like, okay, well, I don't want to do that to them. So I'm just going to bring it up right now. And it's like, I'm leaving for work right now, or I'm about to go pick up the kids from school. Like, we, I can't have this conversation. It, it avoids all of that stuff that's just so stressful. It adds this extra level of stress all the time. So just to throw that out there as something that I think for us has helped avoid that temptation to be like, no, I've got to fix everything and get it perfect right now. Because I, I certainly have that tendency if I didn't have something in place to say, okay, I know we're going to get to talk about it in a few weeks. That's so valuable and, and such a great point that, yeah, in the, in the in-between time, you can communicate well, respect your partner and kind of let the relationship breathe. And then you have these uh, check-ins on, I was going to say on the radar. So, so <laughs> exactly. you, Quite literally. Tell us, yeah, yeah. T- yeah. tell us what the acronym. Oh yeah, I'll step you through the acronym. I was just going to throw in this last point that there are also so many things that I've found, because I do the same thing, right? Where I have like a little note on my phone, right? Where I'm like, oh, this will be good for a radar. And it's everything from, oh right, we need to make a decision about this particular weekend where we're going to see your family or you know stuff like oh my god I'm so annoyed that you you've been doing this recently but like I don't want to bring it up right now and so I'll bring it up at the radar and the number of times that things honestly resolve themselves where either it is like Jay said where with time and breathing space I can be like oh I'm way more calm about this actually I can see it in maybe a slightly more objective light and I can have a better sense of what actually needs to be communicated Or what I've often found is that breathing room then gives me time where if my partner shows up with different behavior, then I'm like, 
oh, no, he does do these things, actually, that I'm annoyed that he's not doing. Or, oh, no, actually, he doesn't always do this thing that I feel like he always does, right? It's like it gives me time to actually look for different evidence, which is huge, right? It Like, you know, a big part of a relationship is kind of training our brain to be seeking out what's going well, as opposed to always as a default seeking out what's going wrong. Um, but just as a quick step through of what RADAR stands for, so it is an acronym. I mean, RADAR as we know, it was already an acronym, but who knows what that acronym stands for? Our no RADAR idea. stands for <laughs> the five steps, which is to review. So you sit down and you kind of review what's happened since your last RADAR. We usually recommend people do it on a monthly basis, but of course that's customizable depending on your relationship needs. So it could be just literally sitting down and just talking about what happened in this past month. You know, like, oh yeah, you uh, you went and visited your family and we decided that we were going to move to a new place and we went out on this date and then we got into this argument or whatever, right? You move on to agree the agenda, which is we decide what are the things that we are going to cover in this check-in. And now we have a set list of topics that we recommend people cover every single time, even if you think things are going well. I have it here if you want. Yeah, do you want to read the list, Emily? Sure. Okay. It's a fairly short list, but you can add to it if, you know, something doesn't really fit your relationship, subtract, whatever you want. So the list is quality time, sex, physical and mental health, other partners and or friends. We did other partners because this is sort of a non-monogamous framework, but absolutely you could use it in all relationships, fights and arguments, money, work and projects, future plans, Chosen family, chosen is there if, you know, you may be estranged from your family, but also family if you have to talk about an ailing parent or whatever, and then household. And we also used to include like a miscellaneous one if there are additional things that you need to talk about in that category. So again, we recommend at least touching on all of those topics because topics, especially like sex, for instance, it can be very easy where we're just like, well, no complaints as far as our sex goes. Great. So we don't need to talk about it, right? And you rob yourself of the opportunity of A, having a nice opportunity to be able to say like, actually, I've been having this fantasy I want to share with you or I want to try something. What do you think about that? Having an opportunity to talk about that, not when you're in the bedroom about to take each other's clothes off. And also having the opportunity to actually reflect back to each other what is going well, whether that's about sex or money or your household or things like that, that if there's no problems, we get to give each other that nice feedback of, I really appreciated when you went out of your way to construct all that Ikea furniture that one weekend or or things like that, right? So it's also good to start building this association that when we check in on our relationship, it's not just about problems. It's also about a status of of how, how are things going well, right? So, so that's agreeing the agenda. Then you move on to discuss, which is when we go through the agenda. And then the second A stands for action points. So this is where we take note of, are there any goals or actions that we need to implement between now and when we check in again? And you may have some or you may have a ton. You know, I've had some radars where there's only one or two action points and then some radars where there's like 20, right? And it's everything from, okay, we are going to try out that thing in bed that 
came up during our radar. So let's set a date, like let's set a sexy date time where we're going to try that thing. And that's one of our action points. Or it could be a place for, okay, we identified that we keep getting into this particular repetitive pattern of a fight. And so we're going to decide, hey, let's experiment with, you know, when we start having this particular fight, we agree to take a break for 20 minutes and step away from each other and then come back. And then we're going to experiment with how that works. And what's beautiful about it is that if this is a regular practice, we know we're going to have another radar or another check-in. We get to, again, give feedback on it. We get to look back and be like, oh, hey, we decided that we were going to try this thing. Did it work? Did it not? Did we do it? Did something get in the way of doing it? Okay, let's try something else, right? We get to set up these little experimental, uh, you know, technically the term is like a sprint, right? These little experimental containers where we get to try things on. And that helps to prevent what can happen in relationship all the time, which is, okay, we get through a fight, we decide, okay, this is how we're going to do things different next time. This is what you're going to do, this is what I'm going to do. And then maybe it doesn't happen. And then we don't really get to talk about that until there's another fight (laughs) about that necessarily. (laughs) So again, making this more empowered, more proactive. And then the very last step, the final R is the reconnect step, which is when you get to congratulate yourselves for getting through the check-in. And so we reconnect with massage or intimate touch or you know something that I like to do with my partners is sharing appreciation at the very end you know things that I'm grateful for things that I appreciate about them or maybe it's like okay we're going to go treat ourselves to you know a meal at our favorite restaurant or we're going to crack into that new board game we haven't cracked into again to keep building up this association that this doesn't have to be scary it doesn't have to be a drag this is something that is for the good of ourselves and for our relationship. And we get to celebrate that at the very end. And now having done radars in my relationships for upwards of six, seven years now, I can say that I still come to radars sometimes feeling a little vulnerable, sometimes feeling a little scared, sometimes feeling a little bit like, oof, gosh, maybe we got a lot to get through or I know we're going to talk about this kind of sensitive topic and that's a little scary, but it's not quite that same level of this is scary and so I'm going to avoid it or this is scary so I'm going to sit on it and bottle it up and let it fester until it explodes. You know, again, it's vulnerable and it still feels maybe even a little risky, but it's still something that I feel like I can turn towards because I know on the other side of it, my reward is a better relationship. I love it. And one of the things that came up to address your question earlier, Dedeker, about doing the podcast, but with Radar and with with Shop and these practices is intentionality in that as much as you know, we talked about leaving things alone, a great thriving relationship, I don't want to say always, but it seems to require intentionality. And that's exactly what these tools are. It's like we have to carve out the time and make it a priority and we're going to see the benefits. I mean, that's ultimately what we're trying to do is to be more connected and happy in our individual lives and with our friends and family and our romantic partners. And I like how you guys alluded to throughout these dialogues, but that 
they can be for any kind of relationship, really. And a lot of what we talk about on the show and, and you guys as well can be applied to, to all those things. And ultimately, our relationships are the most important things in our lives. So I think that uh, all these tools are going to be super valuable for our listeners. And I appreciate you guys taking the time to come on the show today. It was exciting to meet you and uh, have this discussion. We actually work under uh, the same podcast network now. Yeah. And we've yeah. been in this space for a while. And, and as I said, I, I've listened to you guys. I think first time I listened would have been, you know, five, six years ago. Oh, so, wow. Uh, it's it's yeah. great to finally connect with all of you here uh, in one chat. And uh, before we wrap up, can you tell our listeners a little bit about your new book, your podcast, and where they can find that? And then we'll say goodbye. Yeah, our book is out now. It's called Multiamory Essential Tools for Modern Relationships. You can buy it wherever fine books are sold or go to multiamory.com slash book and you can find links to where to buy it there. Additionally, we are Multiamory on all podcast platforms. You can find us on Twitter at Multiamory, on Facebook at Multiamory, and then Instagram at Multiamory underscore podcast. Excellent. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having us. This is great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning into today's episode. As always, all the links to the guest as well as any of their recommendations will be in the show notes page. You can find the link to that in the episode description or by going to idopodcast.com. Click on the podcast tab up at the top and you will have access to all the episodes that we've ever done. There are over 300 of them. Uh, and while you're on our website, if you haven't checked out our free 14-day happy couple challenge, we really hope you do. It's a free email challenge that we send to you. It's 14 days of fun, easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And if you're looking for something that provides a little more help with working on your relationship, whether it's improving intimacy or communication with your partner or just bringing the spark back, we would love for you guys to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. We're offering $100 off to all of our listeners if you go to sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. We've worked with over 15 psychologists and therapists to create the real life tools and strategies that they are teaching their clients. So we wanted to give them to you. It's a self-paced online course that can be done in as little as a month or up to three months. You can really decide how much or how little you want to do with your partner or maybe just yourself. So we hope you guys check that out. It's sparkmyrelationship.com forward slash unlock. Have a great day. You are listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.